Good morning. Greetings to all of you. It is a blessing to be here today and see the house well filled. I've enjoyed the service so far and uh, thank you for all that have contributed to the service. Last Sunday, Brother Earl referenced a message that I had preached some years back. And uh, I went digging and searched out that message. And I'm going to share that message again. Um, Now, that message was a Father's Day message back then, back in, I believe, in 2009. I'm not exactly sure. I have another date that goes back 2003, so I'm not sure. Um, Remember, Gary, did I preach it in 2003? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. A lot of water over the dam since then. You know, uh, I had several messages, or I had two messages that I was, after I came on this one, and uh, and I think I'm actually on schedule on the third Sunday of, of uh, June, which is Father's Day. But uh, I had another message that I was contemplating, and I felt like I wanted more time on that one. And uh, so, we're going to have a Father's Day message early. The uh, And uh, maybe, maybe I'll say this. Um, when I preached this message, studied for it, had that burden on my heart some years back, my children were younger. We were a number of years down the road. Uh, and as I contemplated, I thought about it a little bit this morning. Um, the, the message and the, the points in the message, they reflect some on... Uh, on Areas of my own life where I was endeavoring to gain ground from the previous generation. Areas in my own life where I tried to improve and provide a better uh, home atmosphere for my children than what I had had. Now, it would be interesting... um, so I wonder if my son would preach a message on that premise. I wonder what he would preach. Now I hope, I hope that uh, the next generation can can improve upon. Uh, I do feel that we were successful in improving upon uh, 
the uh, environment that we provided for our children. I hope the next generation can take another shot and improve again. And I don't say that to be critical of the past generation, but just recognizing that uh, there's always room to improve. Uh, And in some cases, maybe lots of room. But uh, so. Maybe we could just pause and have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to just again quiet our hearts in your presence. Thank you for your word. And today again, thank you for the privilege to have it before us and to open it up. Bless our time together here as you have already. Thank you. Bless the remainder of the service and the message here. I pray that the things that I share could be useful, could be helpful, could be a benefit to us. Father, bless, bless and be with us and give me clarity of thought and add to my thoughts things that would be from your heart, Father. Again, we bless you and honor you for the privilege and freedom to be here in this way. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to begin in Psalm. Psalm 128. And uh, the psalm that we had finished a devotional with could have been uh, could have been appropriate as well as many psalms are. Uh, psalm 128 reads as follows: "Blessed is every one that feareth the Lord, that walketh in His ways." Now, for the sake of uh, our message this morning. Would it be okay to say, blessed is every father that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways? I think it would be okay to say that, because um, it is true for fathers, it's true for mothers, it's true for youth, it's true for everyone, but we're just kind of zeroing in on fathers. Blessed is every father that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. And thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. This psalm is uh, it's poetic and picturesque in nature. The psalm writer, as he's trying to uh, communicate a beautiful truth, he's using 
everyday situations that they're familiar with in their uh, world and their culture to describe uh, the blessing, uh, giving us a, a, a picture of, of what, uh, what the blessing of God looks like uh, in, in a family, I guess you would say. A family that fears the Lord, a family that is led in the fear of the Lord, a couple that uh, built their home in the fear of the Lord. Uh, if we were to write a psalm like that today, maybe we would use different language, I'm not sure, but I uh, wonder what it would look like, what for picture word pictures we would use. But that's a, uh, I think it, it creates... And when we read that psalm, it creates in all of us, I trust it does, it, it creates in us a desire for a home, something of this nature. For a family, something of this nature, where uh, we see blessing in this psalm, don't we? We see a, we see a, a, a wife as shown as a fruitful Person in the home, we see children uh, and children's children, peace, just many things that one would desire in life. Um, so, but the the uh, there are conditions that uh, are set forth in the first verse that indicate why that blessing is in place. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. So as we, as we talk about different aspects of, uh, of us, particularly as fathers relating to our children, uh, this verse, this chapter, this verse one particularly, is the foundation that has to be in place. Uh, Blessed is the man, blessed is the father that fears the Lord and that walks in his ways. Um, Verse 4 again. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. This is a foundation uh, on which the rest of the message is, is built like to read Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 and then also Colossians 3 verse 21. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then Colossians 3.21 says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Those are probably two of the most, of the clearest verses that the scripture gives to fathers regarding their family, their children. Uh, And uh, both of them. Talk about provoking 
Provoke not your children to wrath. Provoke not your children to anger. Uh, maybe that's one of our weak spots. That uh, it's mentioned several times. But I'm not going to focus on that particularly this morning. I think it's something to, to note in our minds that as fathers, perhaps in our... Uh, in general, uh, fathers are, may I say, more, uh, I'm sure what the word is I'm looking for. A mother is gentle, most times, caring, kind. Uh, fathers tend to be the rough and tumble, the uh, Let's get to it and do it now, not later, you know. Um, maybe not as caring in our manners at times. And perhaps that is why that warning is there. But uh, in, in, in Ephesians here, it talks about uh, bringing them up in the nurture and uh, admonition of the Lord. So that's, that's, uh, that's where I like to... Begin and focus on that quite a bit here in the beginning. Um, nurturing and admonishing uh, speaks of balanced input into their lives. And like I said earlier, the, the things that I share today, I feel, are probably focused a bit more on younger children. As children get older, things may change a bit, and they do. Uh, but if the foundation is well put in the younger children, it, it, uh, it goes a long way in uh, seeing you through the uh, youthful years. <clears throat> and so we're talking about perhaps the foundation uh, in their younger years that uh, if it's well put, it will go a long way, like I said. So just as uh, we talk about nurturing and admonishing, just uh, in my illustrations, I often go back to plants, and we'll do that again today. Just like a plant needs a balance of sun and war- water, warmth and cool, and lots of other uh, nutrition, uh, there's a balance uh, in training, in teaching, in nurturing, in admonishing our children. The uh, The word nurturing... Thayer's gives this definition. It's the whole of the whole training and education of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals and employs for this purpose, sometimes commands and admonitions, sometimes reproof and punishment. So it's uh, it's kind of a broad sense uh, the whole training and education of children. And it employs uh, different things at different points. Sometimes commands, sometimes admonitions, sometimes reproofs, sometimes punishments, and may we say sometimes encouragements, sometimes blessings. Um, All a very necessary part. Also means the nurture means to instruction which aims at increasing virtue. Uh, nurturing can also uh, speak of chastening. 
Admonishing. The word admonishing gives more the idea of calling attention to. Uh, could be a mild rebuke or a warning. So today, as we think about it a bit, I would like to uh, consider the matter of balanced input into their lives. Uh, you know, and we'll look at this in more detail as we go. Uh, when it comes to corrections, reproofs, direction, guidance, but also blessing and uh, encouragement and those kind of things as well. Uh, there does need to be balanced input. The, uh, the reference, the, the, the concept that Earl uh, pointed out last Sunday, reference from my previous message, is a survey that was done, and it was published in the Homeschool, Homeschool Digest back somewhere back there, uh, years back, some years back. And uh, the title is The Love Slash Discipline Factor. Uh, and the, uh, the question is raised as to which children tend to follow the faith of their parents. Um, a very interesting university study has been done on the theme, why are so many church families losing their children? It seemed that a high percentage of children were rebelling against the faith that they had been raised in. In their research, they interviewed 4,000 teenagers. They asked these youth to rate their parents' expression of love on a scale of one to a hundred, and their discipline on the same scale. Their findings revealed four types of parents. So now I'm going to share with you the four types of parents that they, uh, their findings that, through that survey that kind of came to the surface. The first one is titled A Neglectful Parent. This parent is low in discipline and low in love. This parent flees responsibility. He may be an alcoholic glued to the front of the TV set or a businessman whose pursuit of success consumes all his energy or a conscientious pastor or Christian worker so busy serving others that he has no time for his children. The neglectful parent. The second one is the permissive parent. This parent is high in love and low on discipline. This parent fears his children. His motto is, don't be, don't be too hard on children. He is afraid that requiring adherence to guidelines will drive his children away. So that is the permissive parent. Then we have what they call the authoritarian parent. High in discipline and low in love. This parent fights his children. He yells and disciplines harshly. He carries an obey me or else attitude. When the child is away from the parent, he takes his anger out on others. 
80% of the 4,000 families studied were in this group. 80%. This parent type is most likely to produce a rebel. Authoritarian, high in discipline, low in love, ruling with an iron fist. You do what I say. I told you to do it, and you didn't. And just, uh, yeah, very brash. Then we have the fourth one, the authoritative parent. Not to be confused with the previous one, which was an authoritarian, the authoritative This parent is high in love and high in discipline. This parent fellowships with his children. He enjoys being with his children. He maintains a proper balance between love and discipline. In their studies, the university university students also examined how these four types of parents affected the inner development of their children. So we have uh, four more things to look at. Or, yeah, healthy self-image. The child of the authoritative parent ranked highest in a healthy self-image, followed by the authoritarian parent, the neglectful parent, and finally the permissive parent. So a healthy self-image uh, was at its worst in the permissive parent. The uh, permissive parent was perceived as saying, I don't care how you turn out. Another point they examined was response to authority outside of the home. This would include teachers, pastors, and law enforcement officers. The authoritative parent rated first, the permissive parent second, the neglectful parent third, And the authoritarian parent, fourth. And remember, the authoritarian parent is the one who kind of rules with an iron fist. And it is in those kind of situations where those children have the least respect for any kind of authority. Discipline was needed to produce a good self-image. But discipline without love created a rebel. Next, reception of the religion of the parents. Authoritative parents were most likely to produce children accepting of their beliefs. Then the permissive parent, followed by the neglectful parent, and finally the authoritarian parent. This appeared to be true regardless of their religious preferences. Acceptance of the lifestyle of the parent. Again, the authoritative parent rated at the top. Then the permissive parent, the neglectful parent, and lastly, the authoritarian parent. So this was, and I just noticed here, reprinted from the basic educator in the January-March 2000 issue. So this is taken back. And I would suspect that uh, there's not a lot changed in these factors and, and the truth of them.
it is, uh, yeah, it's it's sobering. It gives us gives us uh, as parents a holy obligation to examine our parenting procedures and try to uh, do it in a fear of God and in in a balanced way that we provide for our children the many things that is needed in their lives. So having uh, looked at all of that, having uh, examined that uh, survey, uh, the, uh, the best Posture is one that is strong in relationship and strong in discipline. Um, you know, one, we, we all, we all have tendencies, you know, that's natural to all of us. Um, for whatever reason they're there, we have tendencies to do things certain ways, we have tendencies to relate in certain ways. We have weaknesses. We have strengths. The unfortunate thing about it is we can't just, uh, in this situation of of being fathers and raising our children, we can't just um, hang on to our strength and figure they'll make up for our weaknesses. We have to look at it and try to consider whether we are bringing into the lives of our children a well-balanced experience that uh, gives them the best opportunity going forward. So strong in relationship, strong in discipline is uh, the best uh, potential. I'd like to talk about some practical um, things in relating to our children. And uh, I'd like to talk about... uh, what I call pruning, first of all, pruning, uh, pruning the lives of our children. Pruning is vital, is a vital part in growing healthy, beautiful plants. We do that a lot. And I have an illustration that I'll show you in just a moment. Jesus said these words in John 15, verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. There is the principle of pruning. He purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. We Maybe we would tend to look at something and say, well, I'm seeing a little bit of fruit. This looks good. But you know, the Lord in our lives, He, when he sees fruit, he purges it. He prunes it because he has something in mind. He wants to see more fruit, and uh, it is it works that way. Had to search a little bit for the right kind of illustration this morning. We're kind of past the pruning stage, but I was still able to find something that works. So we have two exactly identical plants here, and uh, one is, as you can see, One is just one straight stem with a little bit of foliage on the stem. And the other is a well-branched with multiple branches. And there's one difference, and only one, that made the difference in these two plants. This plant was never pruned. This plant was pruned. 
and you have a much nicer presentable product than you do here. Um, and that is true on on so many plants. Uh, it, yeah, we do lots of it because and the uh, when we talk about pruning, you know, sometimes when we go like I go out, I, I, I pruned our one tree a bit. I went in and pruned. I cut out some of the dead stuff. Actually, I pruned some other trees where I cut out uh, not just dead stuff, but I I went in and I thinned things out because I wanted this tree to be strong and endure the storms of life that come. Uh, but pruning is not just about trimming out dead stuff. It's not just about, and even in the lives of our children, it's not just about uh, looking at uh, undesirable Character traits, undesirable this, undesirable that. But it can actually be uh, pruning out something good because we want something better. We recognize the potential that uh, uh, in, in the lives of our children that uh, if we prune this or prune that or we give guidance here, give direction there, we say no to this. Because we have an end goal in mind. And uh, and just re- uh, remember that pruning is not just about cutting out un- uh, uh, dead wood, un- unproductive. Uh, but it's about uh, desiring more fruit. Just like this plant. <clears throat> in Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 7. Hebrew writer says this, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? And one of the things that we see in that verse is that uh, love and chastening go hand in hand. Um, you know, to chasten, um, to prune a plant, and I guess these plants, they don't have any feeling. If I looked at your finger and decided I want more fingers and I cut one off so that more would grow out, it would be a different story. You know, we'd have a problem, but... In plants, we don't have that. But pruning, you know, sometimes the, uh, uh, well, like uh, grapevines. I know when they prune grapevines, they, they, you have you come to that grapevine and it is full of branches from last year's crop. And they just go in there and take about, about probably almost 80% of the old branching out. And uh, it can look like, wow, they just done wrecked the thing. But reality is they didn't. They actually prepared it for another crop. Sometimes we can feel like chastening is a negative thing, but and it is if we're doing it from the standpoint of an iron fist. But if we're doing it from a standpoint of love and care, it is actually a very positive thing. And uh, as the scripture talks about uh, the rod of reproof, giving correction and and to not uh, 
to not spare for his crying and that kind of thing. You know, sometimes it can be hard to do something that we know is painful. It can be hard to do something that we know uh, is hurtful in a sense. When I say hurtful, that's not quite the right word. Uh, and yet, uh, we do something that is very difficult for that individual to process and to work through. And yet, knowing that you have the good of the, the person, the child, the whatever in mind, and that if they will respond correctly to that uh, pruning, it will actually work good in their lives. So there are some things that uh, we do well to prune out of the lives of our children. Um, you know, uh, children can express their discomforts by whining and complaining or being cranky or all sorts of things like that. But, you know, we actually don't have to allow them to do that continually. Sure, they're going to do it at times, but you don't have to allow them to rule your life as a crank, (laughs) as a whimperer, as a whiner, as a... They don't have to run your home. They don't have to run your schedule. You can actually prune that out of their lives. It's a process. It's a work. It's It's not accomplished overnight. But better to work on it than to simply let it go and let them, quote, run the show. Uh, they can and they will if you allow them to. Manipulation. Children can soon learn to manipulate their parents by begging and whining and complaining. And again, it's not something that you have to allow them to do. You can actually do something about it. Shyness. Many children at some point express shyness and personalities are varied. And I would never want to uh, put children up against each other, you know, pit them against each other in their ability to associate and uh, be open to people. But uh, again, outright shyness can be worked with a child can improve their ability to relate to other individuals. Uh, You don't have to leave them. It's not, you don't have to leave them in that spot. You can help them and work with them and improve on their situation. And like I said, there are varied personalities and we always have to recognize that. Slothfulness or laziness. Um, I think we would all have those tendencies if we hadn't been taught otherwise. Uh, some of some of you are probably natural go-getters, and but not all. Uh, it's a healthy thing for children to uh, to to be given small responsibilities and expect them to finish them, to do them uh, at, to their best of their ability. Of course, a key to effectiveness in those kind of things, in in pruning those undesirable things that we see, and effectiveness simply is being consistent. Uh, probably the greatest greatest setback is inconsistency, and uh, addressing it every now and then rather than 
regularly as it comes up. So, pruning. Sometimes there's things that do need to be pruned. All right. Now, let's focus a little bit on different ways in which love can be communicated to our children. Um, You know, every... I think every child wants to be loved. In fact, I think every person wants to be loved. Um, We kind of all want the assurance that we're loved in some form or another uh, by those that we relate to and based on the relationship and all of that. So how is love measured? How do your children measure uh, your love for them? And and what is love? <laughs> you know, we, I'm not, I don't remember if it was last week, but sometimes we talk about the different uh, words that are used for love. I, was, was it you, Alan, that talked about that? Yeah. Uh, and our English language is kind of lacking because we use one word to destri- describe a, about six different Aspects of love or types of love. <clears throat> one of the one of the one of the scriptural um, definitions of love. One of the ways that the scripture divi- defines one aspect of love that is def- that the scripture defines this way is that of giving. Uh, God gave. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. To do what he did for us. And that was motivated by his love for us. We are admonished in 1 John 3.17. That if we, if we have and we see a brother in need. And we don't help meet that need. Then how does the love of God dwell in us? So uh, it gives the idea of, of uh, uh, love is expressed in meeting uh the need of another in a lawful way, obviously. Uh, God loved us by giving, and we're to love others by giving in appropriate ways where we can. You know, children, children are very sensitive uh, in picking up on their parents' love for them. Uh, they're sensitive in those things. They, they, uh, and may I say, they're especially sensitive when they uh, fail in something. Um, I think I this illustration is pretty old, but I think I remember uh, using it back when I gave this message. I had a situation occurred. Some years back where one of our children, uh, I guess, hit the garage door opener button and then jumped in the vehicle and put it in reverse and backed out. And the garage door wasn't up the whole way. And uh, the lower panel of the garage door and the back window of the vehicle all needed a a replacement. And, uh, you know, at that moment was a crucial moment for me as a father to communicate love. Incredibly crucial. If I would have uh, criticized and hammered on and rebuked and said all kinds of ugly things, I would have just blew a 
excellent opportunity to communicate love. I think I did all right. I, I don't even remember how I responded. Uh, but anyhow, that is a critical moment, those kind of situations where something happens. They really didn't intentionally do something, uh, didn't intend to do something wrong. You know, we all we all do those things. You know, years ago, I I had a a pickup truck that was only a couple of years old and I was putting something in the back of it with a tractor and loader and I went to get off the tractor and forgot to put it out of gear and the tractor lurched forward right in the side of my pickup truck and put a nice big dent in it, you know. So we all do those kind of things, right? <laughs> Maybe you don't. Maybe it just happened to me. But anyhow, uh, but those are moments when, when our children do those kind of things that... Uh, they didn't do anything intentionally wrong. Those are moments where uh, love can be communicated very, very much. Those are opportune moments where we communicate care and, uh, and understanding, even though it, it affects us. You know, it affects, got to fix it. Got to get garage door fixed, the window replaced. Oh, yes, that is real life. As parents, we have the challenge of consistently and effectively communicating our love to our children. Here's some ways in which we can do that. Um, and one of them is words of blessing and encouragement and praise. Find things to uh, praise your children about. You know, if they, you give them an assignment, they do the job, you know, you know their age level. You know you could do the job better. But you know they did what they could. They did it as well as they could. Bless them for it. Thank them for it. Uh, give them uh, a blessing. You know, there is a desire in your children to please you. And if you never or rarely communicate your approval they eventually begin to think that they cannot please you and quit trying. So, and that is, that is true. You know, there, there is, especially younger children, and I'm not sure where it starts to switch, but there is a desire to please your parents. And uh, if, there is, if there is never any communication from you to them that you are pleased, you are pleased with this or that or the other thing or how they made their bed or, you know, how they did the dishes or whatever assignment you gave them. If you never communicate any kind of approval um, and blessing, uh, they will eventually begin to feel like they, they can't and they'll just quit trying. <clears throat> so tell your children Words of blessing. We're talking about words of blessing, encouragement, and praise. Tell your children that you love them. Uh, they need to hear those words from you. Another uh, way of communicating love, and you've probably heard this. Uh, they say that uh, in a child's vocabulary, love is spelled T-I-M-E. <laughs> Time. That's how they spell love. Spend time with them. 
Your children need to know that dad is someone you can have fun with. You can have a good time with. Uh, and there's different ways you do, do that. You can do that as families uh, spending time together. But I even, I even think about it in light of uh, devotional time as a family. You know, devotional time together as a family is not just a spiritual exercise. It's family time. It's the family together. Um, and that's the thing that is so missing in our world today. Families aren't together. Moms and dads aren't together. And if moms and dads are together, are, are together, it's probably rare that there's uh, many occasions where the entire family is together. And they're, you know, in daily life and doing things together. Take time with them. Take time to teach them new things, uh, hobbies, projects. Read books to the smaller children. Take time for story time at the end of the day before you tuck them into bed. Help them with their work projects or their hobbies. Play games with them. Come down on their level in activity, you know, uh, even in youth. Uh, I had uh, I had the youth teach me how to play uh, what is that called spike ball and I was dumb enough to start at a tournament <laughs> but tell you what it's okay it's okay to to join them in something they know how to do well and I don't. And let them teach me. You can do that with your children. Um, take an interest in their lives and the projects they enjoy doing and so forth. Help your children in their bedtime prayers. Tuck them in at night. Uh, kiss them good night. Greet them in the morning with a cheery good morning. Just like you do your wife. Cheery good morning. An encouragement for you as fathers. I know some of you go off to work. Seven in the morning. Six in the morning. Five, six in the evening. Uh, Beverly had a father who was a truck driver and was gone. Probably more than was healthy. But one thing she always said, when dad was home, I had a dad. Um, he was close to his children. When he was home, he took time for him. All right. So, several ways of communicating, uh, expressing love. Words of blessing, encouragement, praise. And also in spending time in various ways with them. I'd like to also talk about accepting each of your children for who they are. There are no two children alike. Their personalities are different. Their habits are different. Their needs are different. Their training requirements are different. If you have several children, you realize that. Accept each one for who they are and guard against favoritism. 
especially in this cases where you have a hard to train child versus an easy to train child. It can be very easy to start even as a parent developing an attitude in your heart about the child who's always stressing you, <laughs> always pushing you to your limits. And you have that other doll over here that just does everything the way you want him. Tell you, it takes uh, takes some strength of heart and some help from God sometimes to have to maintain a proper attitude in those kind of situations. <coughs> but accept each one for who they are and the the responsibilities that come your way. Uh, accept them. When your child needs rebuke or discipline, then rebuke or discipline. But avoid continually criticizing about their failure. In other words, when there is a problem, deal with the problem and then go on. Avoid just nagging and dragging and reminding them again. And a half hour later again, I told you, you never do it right. You know, uh, if there's a problem, deal with the problem and then move on. Put it behind you. If it surfaces later, deal with it again. But don't uh, just kind of drag it throughout the day, nagging, criticizing. You get it? I think you probably do. And... Don't allow the rest, other children, to criticize that child who is harder to train to, well, he's always doing this and, and, you know, just continually slamming the one who's, seems to be harder to train. It can easily happen where other children, uh, other children would get on the bandwagon and just be continually criticizing that one child. And I know every situation is unique. There's not a pat cut way to handle them, but just, I guess, some little pointers to consider as you go in parenting and being dads. Be careful not to make that child, and I'm talking about that harder to train child, be careful not to make them a family spectacle. Pulling away privileges in times and places where everybody else notices, especially if it happens repeatedly, uh, it's a good way to make a black sheep. But yeah, problem does need to be addressed, but uh, carefulness in how you do it. And try to make discipline a private nature where you deal with the child in a private setting rather than in the presence of the rest of the family. All right. One more point. See how we're doing on time. Be patient with your children. You know, having the quality of in, uh, patience has this definition. Having, having the quality of enduring evils without murmuring or fretfulness. Sustaining afflictions of body or mind with fortitude. Uh, having a calmness or a Christian submission to the divine as a patient person or a person who is of patient temper. Not easily provoked, 
calm under the suffering. Uh, under the sufferance of injuries and offenses, not revengeful. Revengeful. Um, You know, patience, and again, we we have to be careful that patience doesn't become neglect, okay? But at the same time, uh, you won't accomplish it in one day. You know, training that child, addressing that problem. Uh, You won't accomplish it in one day, in one discipline, in one setting. It's a process. And I want to encourage you with that. But not to to then peg or not to then latch on to neglect. Because neglect won't get you there either. But being patient, bearing long with them as you uh, endeavor to correct them and guide them and and prune out of their life that undesirable fruit that you see, that you see is going to have a bad end. Loving them through the thick and the thin, and along with patience, uh, forgiveness. You know, it's important, especially as dads, it's important to communicate forgiveness to our children if they have uh, wronged us or done something wrong. It's important that they understand that we forgive them and uh, rather than them having to wonder, uh, it's important. So, prepare... In conclusion, prepare your children to face the real world. <clears throat> you know, they won't always be in the greenhouse. And uh, this year, there was the interesting scenario where people took plants from the greenhouse and put them outside. And they weren't quite ready to be outside because the weather threw them a bad curve. And some of them simply froze and died. <laughs> Uh, you know, but you do want to prepare your children to leave the greenhouse. You do want to prepare your children to leave your environment because they're not always going to be there. They shouldn't always be there. Prepare them for that. Teach them how to respond to uh, this world we live in and uh, the many vices that are there. And I don't... uh, I don't, didn't have this note on my original notes, but teach them how to relate to the many tools of technology that are available today. Back in the late 1900s, I didn't have to say so much about that. Um, teach them how to respond to the selfishness and the cruelty of the world around us at times. Teach them how to deal with the, uh, maybe particularly your sons, teach them how to deal with the immodesty that they will encounter from time to time in our culture, in our world. Teach them how to take care of their personal finances. Um, They'll need that. They'll benefit greatly if they've learned how to Save money. How to have money in their possession and not spend it, but to save it. You don't need that. 
Just keep it. How to spend it wisely. As they become young adults, give them some space. Give them some rope, you might say, in some of these things. They may fail at times, but be there to help them up and to start running again. So that's, that's your call that God has for you as fathers, or at least a small glimpse into it. Um, I'd like to encourage you with these words. I, I, I hope that it, it didn't come across at all as a weight on your heart, but rather as a, an encouragement, as something that is within reach for you if you're a young father especially. Um, Something that is within reach. um, Because it is. It is. It's... um, In many ways, it's actually not that difficult. It's not that difficult to spend time with your family. It wasn't the last little while anyhow, was it? We all cut out a whole ton of things in our schedules and had more time, huh? Anyhow, I uh, I want to encourage you with that and hope that uh, something in that can be useful in uh, in your lives and in your home and in in your children and and like that uh, psalm said that you may see the Lord tarries. See, or something about your children's children, something to that effect. So God bless. Perhaps we could just close with a word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you again for each one here. Thank you for the young parents here, older parents, grandparents, youth, aspiring to be parents someday, perhaps. Father, bless, inspire, renew our courage and our vision. Lord, And, uh, yeah, may we, may we live to see, as a psalm writer said, the, the, uh, blessing upon our children and our children's children. Thank you, Lord. You are good to us. We don't deserve the many blessings that we have, the opportunity that we have in, in, uh, choosing how to nurture our children, how to train them, not being forced by governments to put them in environments that uh, are totally uh, contrary to that of our faith and beliefs. Thank you for that, Father. And Father, I pray a blessing on each parent and particularly on each father. Keep us, give us strength, give us courage. Give us understanding to be able to make good use of the time that we have, knowing that it quickly passes by. So again, Father, bless each one. We thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. God bless.